Welcome to the Shari Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Shari Tzedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. So on the subject of Israel, which I'm sure we are well acquainted this, at this point in the evening, um, I wanted to share for a moment the time in my life where I felt the most Israeli. Now, obviously, I am not Israeli. I was born in L.A., I grew up in Connecticut and then Toronto, but uh, just indulge me for a second. I was living in Jerusalem for my first year of rabbinical school, and my younger brother had come to visit, and I wanted to show him some of the sites. So we went up to the walled city of Jerusalem, the old city, and then we went down a little bit to a place called the City of David. Now, some Bible-drunk archaeologists believed it to be the original core of the city of Jerusalem. But archaeology, along with everything, is actually just politics. So let's not get into that. The important thing is that at the city of David, there are interesting ruins, beautiful views, and you get to walk through Hezekiah's Tunnel, which is an ancient aqueduct dug straight through the mountains. It's an incredible feat of ancient engineering. The city of David complex also happens to be under Israeli authority, despite being right in the middle of the Palestinian town of Silwan. Let's not get into that. Regardless, we spent a little bit of time there, and then when we were done, it was a hot day, and we were too tired to walk back to my apartment on Rehov Lincoln. And yes, it is named after the American president, Abraham Lincoln. That's how they pronounce it there. It's, it's right down the street from Rehov Washington. So we decided to take a cab. So we hail one, and the taxi driver offers to drive us there for 70 shekels. Now, I'm not a sucker, okay? First off, anyone who's been in Israel long, long enough knows that you never take a deal from a taxi driver. You always use the meter, okay? And second off, I figured that getting back to my place was a 50-shekel drive, tops. So I tell him, lo, bamoneh which means no way, use the meter. And he keeps trying to get us to take the deal. He's trying to sweet talk us. Um, and I keep saying, no, 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 no. I'm insistent. This is the most insistent anyone may have ever seen me, I think. Um, I'm just short of yelling. He's like, no, it'll be more expensive on the meter. I'm like, no, 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 low, 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 bamonet. So the driver relents eventually and he grumbles the whole drive back to the apartment. Um, and the meter slowly ticks up until we get back to my apartment, and I look at that meter, and I am filled with the smuggest sense of pride I have ever felt in my life. What does it say on that meter? 49 shekels. So I hand the driver his money with a tip, because it's always good to tip. 
Um, he gives us an unspeakable hand gesture out the window of the taxi as we leave, and then we go back up to my apartment. So this experience, I'm not sharing it to perpetuate the stereotype of the gruff, aggressive Israeli. That's not why. But in my mind, it speaks to the wonder and complexity of the city of Jerusalem, and indeed, Israel as a whole. So as we've said, Tuesday to Thursday, we commemorated Yom HaZikaron, Israel's Memorial Day, and Yom HaAtzma'ut, Israel's Independence Day, one right after the other. It is characterized by this mingling of sadness and joy, of religious and secular, of peace and politics, as did my experience with this taxi driver. We visited an ancient holy city, which is a tourist site built in a Palestinian town, and then we yelled at an Israeli taxi driver who thought that they would be able to scam a stupid American. I felt close to Israeli in that moment because Jerusalem was no longer this perfect idealized place for me. It was real, it was lived in, it was complex, and it was mine. So one unique characteristic of the city of Jerusalem is linguistic. Yerushalayim, its Hebrew name, is actually a plural word. Why is this? There are all kinds of traditional explanations. But it boils down to the idea that the Jewish imagination holds two Jerusalems in the same thought. There's Jerusalem Shalmala, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city on high, the holiest place on earth, solely under God's dominion. And there's Jerusalem Shalmata, the earthly Jerusalem, the city assailed by conquerors for millennia, and a city where traffic is miserable, the taxes are too high, and it smells like sewage at least one day a week for no reason. Jerusalem is many different places at once. The walled old city and the skyscraper-crusted new city. Israeli West Jerusalem, Palestinian East Jerusalem, secular suburbs, and ultra-Orthodox enclaves. Like Israel itself, the city is strange and confusing and wonderful. Living within those gray spaces, a world in between, made it one of the most impactful years of my life. So I wanted to share two pieces of my year in Jerusalem to show what I mean. So the first one is about two things. Two of my favorite restaurants in Jerusalem, which were in two wildly different places, very rarely visited by Reform Rabbinical students at the Hebrew Union College. The first is Hadar Ge'ula, which literally means the beauty of redemption, which was a cafeteria in Me'a She'arim, one of Jerusalem's most strict ultra-Orthodox neighborhoods. Um, the potato kugel, I still have dreams about it. And their cholent, which is a long-cooked stew that they make on Shabbat, opened up this entire world of Ashkenazi cooking for me. On the actual other side of the border was Abu Shukri, which is a hummus place in the Muslim quarter of the old city. They had the only bowl of hummus that I could finish in one sitting. It was silky and smooth, rich with subtle flavors. It was my favorite place in the old city, Barnan, where Jewish Israelis and Arabs can sit together eating Arab hummus in peace, united by the love of the simple chickpea. Last story, a little bit different. Living in Jerusalem was wonderful and nourishing, but we also had our fair share of hurt. During our year in Israel, a series of events began which Wikipedia 
kind of calls the, the 2015 to 2016 wave of violence in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which is a mouthful. Um, we called it the stabbing intifada. So unlike the first and second intifadas, which were marked by bombings, this year was punctuated by lone wolf stabbing attacks, seemingly at random. My classmates and I, as North Americans who had never experienced anything like this before, were terrified. Um, and on the other hand, we read a Facebook post the day after a stabbing with a picture of someone in medieval knight armor with the caption, I'm going to the market, does anyone want anything? So dark humor was something that got us through it. Um, it even got to the point where HUC wanted us to stop taking the bus and stay out of the old city, but honestly, nothing was going to stop me from getting homeless at Abu Shukri. Nothing. Every choice that we made held some amount of risk. But life had to keep moving. Whenever I walked through the city at night, I would hold my ear up to my phone for some reason, foolishly hoping that no one would, no one would stab me while I was on the phone, right? Someone on the other end would hear. And every time I went to the shuk, the market, I'd walk past the spot where a Palestinian teenager stabbed someone with a pair of scissors. And I'd have to think about that conflict. It was right there. And I'd have to think about what it takes from everyone, whatever side you're on. So these are some vastly different experiences. What, what am I hoping to get across with my personal recollections about the year in Israel? I'll tell you. There is no city in the world like Jerusalem and no place in the world like Israel where you live alongside ancient history mentioned in our sacred texts, where Judaism flows through the rhythms of the week and the year. It's a place where the rich flavors of hundreds of blended cultures remind you that diversity in society lifts everyone up. There is personal and political conflict clouding the city, thick and sometimes suffocating. But moments of holy connection and joy briefly clear that air. And Israel is one of the most Jewish places in the world. And yet it's a place that most makes us question what it means to live Jewishly in our daily lives. It is not despite Israel's complexity that a connection to it enriches our lives, but because of it. Visiting Israel as a young person changed me. Living there shaped me even more. It is worth going to Israel. It is worth thinking and talking about Israel. And Israel is worthy of being part of our prayers each week. Whether we're hugging or wrestling with Israel, it can influence our Jewish lives from afar in ways that we can scarcely imagine. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>